0: This is the Engineering Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Avi Noda. This week's guest is Fancha Sadacharam, who leads tech learning and insights at Peloton. Thanjah and I first met a year ago while she was working on designing a new DevEx survey program. I was really impressed by the way she was approaching it and stayed in touch to follow her journey. I'm often asked for advice on how to design and run surveys, and I always think of Fancha. In this episode, we cover her story from the beginning, starting with what inspired leaders at Peloton to create a survey program, and how they conducted research to inform their approach. We then cover the survey design process itself, including communication planning and scheduling. We conclude the episode by talking about how the survey went and the changes they're considering for the future. I'm really grateful to Thansha for sitting down with me to chat through her experiences in such detail. This episode is loaded with concrete advice on how to establish and run a successful survey program. No matter where you are in your journey with Dovex Surveys, I think you'll find this episode really valuable. So I hope you enjoy listening. Thansha, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Super excited to chat with you.
1: Yeah, excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: So I'm so excited to dive into your journey with your first developer experience survey that you put together at Peloton. And I know you're coming up on one year and you're rethinking things. So it'll be awesome to get your lessons and the changes you're thinking through now. I want to go way back, though, to the beginning when you were first exploring running a survey, could you start by sharing a little context about what your role and your teams were focused on at the time you began thinking about running this?
1: So when I joined Peloton almost two years ago now, my team was kind of a mission was to really start and stand up our tech learning function. So the tech learning function didn't exist at Peloton. And so I was brought in to actually build that. And so one of the very first things that I looked at was onboarding. And in kind of building my case for developing an onboarding program for all of our engineers, one of the things I looked at was our time to first and tenth pull request, and it was really, really interesting to kind of get that number and you know do a bit of a comparison to things I've seen in my past life at Shopify and things that kind of like benchmarking in the industry. Of okay, this is what like a good time to first is is kind of an average, and and kind of building that case, but. In presenting that information to like our engineering leadership team, you know, engineering leaders love numbers and we know that, but I think numbers don't often tell the whole story. And so I did a ton of interviews. I think I ended up talking to over a hundred folks at Peloton, which was a great way to meet people, but it was also a really, really great way for me to build a very holistic picture of that included qualitative and quantitative inputs to really understand what the onboarding experience was like and build the right onboarding solution for all of our engineers that were joining Peloton. And sort of in that work, I was referring to our VP of platform at the time, and we were spending a lot of time talking about, you know, what are some of the things that we wanted to be able to use to understand the developer experience at Peloton. And so then when my former boss, Jason joined, he was super passionate about, you know, creating more of a qualitative input for actually understanding that developer experience. And, and I think, you know, we're still looking at and trying to understand a lot of different metrics, but at the end of the day, I think I very strongly believe. And I think a lot of our engineers also really appreciate this, that, engineers aren't robots, they're humans. And like just looking at numbers or looking at certain key metrics kind of don't drive the whole story. So for us having a really comprehensive survey that helped us understand that entire developer experience was really important to not only shaping tech learning programs, but also feeding into our platform team for our engineering managers and our engineering leaders to understand where they should focus their energies on to drive developer efficiency, effectiveness, and engagement essentially.
0: Well, first off, that's an incredible number of interviews you personally conducted. <laughs> You're basically a, a human survey uh, <laughs> tool. Yeah. I want to ask you, you mentioned your former VP, Jim, right? I know him as well. I know he was kind of part of the inspiration for this. Can you talk more about like how you guys were all inspired to even go down this path? It, it sounded like there were conversations before he had left. He had maybe had some prior experience or you were looking at some other companies. Yeah. Where did the inspiration come from?
1: Yeah. I mean, so when I joined, there was a deck that he had put together kind of on the vision for the platform team. And there was something there about measuring, like having a developer satisfaction score. And so, so he worked at Spotify before that and had a ton of experience in the industry. And I think this was definitely something that Spotify was passionate about. I'm also well, connected with some of the folks at Spotify from my previous lifetime as well. And so that was definitely something that he had always wanted to measure along with some of this other like Dev Insights work. And so he had done a good job kind of evangelizing that even before I got to Peloton. And the really great thing I think about the leadership team on our engineering side at Peloton is like they very much wanted these insights as well. And so that was really great because when we had to kind of start I mean because at the end of the day we're asking all these engineering leaders if we can have their developers time to fill out this really long survey with the promise of like hey we promise useful things are going to come out of this and that we're going to be able to focus on the right things and prioritize. And so it was really good that some of that kind of I guess like groundwork had already been placed and then when we kind of approached the rest of engineering leadership and say hey we want to do this, we didn't actually get a ton of pushback which is really amazing and I think in fact our engineering leadership to this day, they're still quite hungry for those metrics and for ways to understand the developer experience. And and we can get to this, but when we actually did our first couple surveys, we did an entire software review on it where we sat with the entire, so our SVP of engineering and all of our VPs of engineering to actually like go through all of the results and like present back these are all the different results. Like these are the key kind of factors that are driving satisfaction or not driving satisfaction. And so having that kind of groundwork laid and then having that kind of buy-in, I think was super helpful and important.
0: Well, that's awesome to hear you had such great buy-in. That was going to be my next question. I think leaders at other companies sometimes struggle to get buy-in for these types of initiatives. What advice would you share with some other leader out there who, you know, listens to this and is inspired and wants to do it? How can they convince other executives and leaders that this is something that's valuable and worth doing?
1: Yeah, I think we were really lucky because the way that the timing of this kind of all worked out is that we had focused on what at the time, especially for Peloton, you know, during 2020 and 2021, Peloton was hiring a ton of engineers while we were going through this wild hypergrowth phase. And there was a lot of kind of pain points that engineers were running into. And so I think that first thing that we did, right, was we found a problem and a pain point that a lot of engineering leaders were feeling because they were getting their engineering managers and their new hires, or if they were a new leader, and they got brought in, like they understood how painful the onboarding process was, instead of just going out and like, you know, I've built onboarding programs before at other companies. I ran onboarding programs before at other companies. Like I probably, you know, I had an idea of what I thought we needed to do. But instead of just going and building that and being like, look, we got all these great results. We were very, very data driven and informed in our approach. And so I partnered with our Dev Insights team to get those first couple early metrics on time at first and 10th. And we did a comparison to industry standards and benchmarks and we're able to like show our engineering leadership, hey, we're losing this much time every single time we bring a new engineer in because of our onboarding process. And then we paired that with those qualitative insights from all of those interviews that I did. And I think presenting it in that way really got our engineering leaders It made that conversation really easy, right? Because they were like seeing all of this data and understanding the value that it was bringing us as, as the team that was building these programs, because then we were able to shape our solutions like around that. And I think that that approach definitely like kind of, I think it built a lot of trust, right? Like it, I think that's really, really important to do. And so I kind of think about it, like you're giving your leadership a little bit of a taste of, Hey, like these are what insights can do for us. And these are the problems that can help us solve. And, you know, when I first initially started talking to some of our engineering leaders about building out like one onboarding program for all of Peloton engineering, got a little bit of resistance of like, well, that's gonna be really difficult to do, because, you know, we have lots of different types of engineers, and they have different means, like, how are you going to build one program? And there's obviously ways that you can do that, because lots of large companies do do this. And I think having all of those conversations, having some of those insights, really helped us drive how we created that solution. So I think that helps. So giving kind of your leadership, so you don't have to like, go full blown, like 100 question survey and like, measure, like go to measuring Dora metrics, like immediately, you can actually, like maybe think about what is kind of that one pain point? What is that thorn in my engineering leadership team's side, that maybe is not like the most top priority thing for them in this current environment, but is a thorn in their side that they, you know, if you picked it out, It would make their lives a little bit easier and approach that from a data-driven and informed way. And I think that can help get some of that buy-in. And I also think we were really lucky. We were thinking quite a bit about product thinking for our platform team. And even in the way that I approach program management, I always try to think about my programs as products. Like how do we make sure we're building the right things in the way that a product manager thinks about product market fit? How do we think about ensuring that like if we're running a learning program, that people actually want that program and actually need that program. For our platform team, this is super important. How do they identify the most, the biggest pain points for our developers and, you know, attack those and fill those? How do we drive efficiency and engagement for our developers? These are all kind of big questions you have. And when you're a small organization and there's 10 people, you can obviously talk to 10 people or try and do what I did, which was hours and hours of interviewing. This is kind of a more efficient way to do that. And so I think starting small, and then really showing that value can really help.
0: Well, I love the piece you shared around thinking about what's sort of the thorn in the side of your leadership team. That's similar to advice I give. I always tell DevX leaders to, when they're getting started, really pick out the thing, like you said, that like, what is the C-suite staying up at night worrying about? Right, when it as far as it pertains to developers. And if you can align your effort with that thing, then you're much more likely to get buy-in. So I completely agree with the advice you shared. I think that's really insightful. I want to move into now the design process for the survey, which I know was extensive. I want to start at the beginning. Once you your team decided, okay, we're probably going to do this thing. What was the first thing you did to get started from a design standpoint? I recall you sharing that you spent quite a bit of time just doing research into how other companies do it. Is that what you did at first?
1: Yeah, so I call this phase like desk research or like I think with whenever you're building processes or like programs for teams inside a company, I think it's important to look both outside and inside. You know, I've been in tech for 10 plus years and so very lucky to have a bit of a community that I could reach out to. So I actually just spent some time reaching out to other folks at other tech companies that do this, just to understand what were they thinking about? How had this helped them? You know, how had they sold it to their leadership teams? What value did they see drive that came out of it? So you know, spoke to some folks at Google, spoke to some folks at Spotify, spoke to some folks at Shopify, did a ton of reading and It's really interesting because I think in this space, there's a lot of gray area and it's constantly evolving, but there's so much research and literature out there on this topic. So just did a ton of reading, like obviously read the space paper and like learned all about that framework, all about Dora metrics, all that kind of stuff, and just spent a ton of time reading. And I think there's so much thought leadership in this space. It's really, really great. And so that really gave me an idea of like, okay, this is how other people are thinking about it. This is how other people have rolled it out. And it's made sense for them, you know, then brought that back internally and thought about, okay, now we need to do some research to understand internally, like what, how we're working. And so internally, like what our research looked like was a little bit different than our external research. But internally, we, I mean, I have a designer on my team and she's, every time she sees these slides, she's like, Sancha, these are terrible. But I made essentially a journey map. It's a very terrible looking journey map, but a journey map regardless. And we called it like a day in the life of a developer at Peloton. And so we have lots of different types of developers. Like we've got Android, iOS, back end, like front end, like all, we've got a bunch of different types of developers. And so we actually broke, it out by type, and created like user types essentially, and we mapped out this journey from like the moment that they open their laptop, all the way to when changes are released. What are the different tools, the different processes? Like, what does their day look like? And I think that was really, really interesting. And again, a ton of conversations, like a ton of just like setting up interviews and like having developers walk me through their day, but. It really helped us narrow down what that current journey looks like. And then we mapped that to like, okay, what's our desired outcome? This is what it currently looks like, but where do we actually think we want to go? And that process helped us identify the different tools that our engineers were using, the different kind of ceremonies and rituals, depending on the team that they were a part of. And so that was really, really helpful in actually shaping our survey, because we were able to basically take all of this external research that we had on how other companies were doing it, all of this stuff on the space framework, and and then how our engineers were going through their days and map it to a survey. And so when we got to kind of the designing part or prototyping part of this survey, we essentially like created nothing fancy, but a Google spreadsheet. And we broke down essentially each letter of the space framework into a section, right? So we had a section, and then within each of those sections, we created different factors. For example, you know, within, let's say, our satisfaction section, we might have put tools. And then we basically went back and looked at all of those maps, my hideous maps that my designer would make fun of me for, but my this kind of like really, really rough map and then mapped it into our survey of like, okay, these are all of the tools that our engineers are using when it comes to testing. These are all of the tools that our engineers are using when it comes to collaborating. Like, and we essentially bucketed all of these things out into different factors. And it was so helpful because it gave us an understanding of, okay, there are things that our engineers are doing currently because of the way our systems, our processes, and our tools are built. And then there's this kind of like what we know is a bit of the gold standard. And we essentially created factors and questions that merged both of those. And that was really, really helpful as a starting place for us to kind of like prototype that. And that was really like informed by all of that research that we did.
0: Well, I really love the day in the life of a developer mapping and using that as to keep yourself centered on the developer, right? This is the state of developer experience. One quick question to loop back a little bit, you mentioned talking to folks at companies like Google, Spotify, Shopify, what were your impressions of Google's approach?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Google is like so much further along in this journey than we were. And so that was really interesting just to like see the like rigor that they took. And I think this is why it's important to balance kind of that external and internal research. Like, I wasn't necessarily like, okay, we have to go and copy exactly what Google's doing because Google's so different from Peloton, like just the scale, the number of engineers. And so I think for me, I was like, wow, this is really amazing and really interesting to kind of see that there's such a rigorous approach, but it was also really interesting. So I used to work at Shopify and speaking to, you know, colleagues at Shopify and they were like, yeah, like we don't use a space framework. We like really think about our own developer experience. And like, we really think about kind of looking internally. And so that was really interesting too, I think for me to look at both those approaches, like super rigorous and tons of research and, you know, kind of back from that Google perspective and then thinking about where Shopify was much more like inward looking. And so I think we tried to like balance that. I think, you know, at Peloton in particular, we've got a ton of leaders who have worked at places like Google and Meta and like, you know, big fang companies. But then we've also got people who've been with Peloton, you know, for 10 years, for seven years. And, and remember when it was like a small scrappy startup, when there was just 50 engineers around and they all fit into the same room. And so I think we wanted to like marry that spirit. And so I think it's helpful to have like that context of, of Google and like how they were thinking about things. But I think it was really important for us to kind of like look inward too. And and I think I would say that to anyone who's thinking about doing this is like really think about your company and like where your company is and, and customize like your survey to that. I think that that's really important.
0: I remember when we spoke a few months ago, you were talking about how you wanted to use the same questions as other companies so that you could potentially benchmark. Was that something you ended up doing?
1: Yeah. So actually it was really interesting because we like benchmarking, I think Like I mentioned earlier, in the way that we were thinking about time to first and 10th, I think is really important. I think it's really common kind of across the tech industry for us to do that. But it was actually when I partnered with our talent team that they were like, actually, like, we've got a bunch of benchmarking data that we can share with you. And so that was actually really, really helpful in saying, okay, like we don't necessarily have to ask all of the same types of questions, but there are some general like questions that we want to ask so that it can kind of help benchmark satisfaction, I think kind of was the big important one that we wanted to benchmark. And I think even now, like with our engineering leadership team, that's still something that's really important. And even with our talent team, I think is still really important to be able to say, like, are we sitting above or below, you know, where the industry is sitting at? I think when you're thinking about developer experience, you're obviously thinking about it from an efficiency and productivity perspective. But I think you're also thinking about it from an engagement perspective with the, you know, with the mindset of, you know, engaged engineers and engaged developers are happier and more effective is kind of, I think, one of our hypotheses anyway. So it was, I think, important for us to use some of the same questions so that we could, We obviously didn't want to ask things that were so left field that we couldn't benchmark at all, but we wanted to have a bit of a balance so that we could say, okay, satisfaction is really, really important for us to benchmark, but the way that we do, I don't know, testing or whatever, maybe just because of the stage that Peloton's at might be very different. And so that we want to ask questions that'll actually give our teams kind of the the most advantage and being able to leverage some of those. I would be curious, though, I don't know, like 5, 10, maybe like 5 years from now, or maybe 3 years from now, like as Peloton grows and scales, if our questions will change and become more similar to, let's say, like what Google is doing or something like that.
0: You brought up measuring satisfaction. So I want to double click on that because it's so interesting. A lot of companies say they measure satisfaction or developer satisfaction or have like DSAT as even a C-suite like metric. But when I ask them, okay, what's the actual survey item? They're actually very different. So what what is that? Well, how is satisfaction measured exactly uh, with you guys?
1: Yeah, so we've got there's two questions that we ask, and so that's being able to recommend Peloton is a great place for engineers specifically to work, and being really proud of the work that you do at Peloton. So those are kind of the two big questions that we ask. Again, for us, I think DevStat is important to us. Like it's definitely an important kind of metric. And I think the way that we look at it is like, there's so many factors that kind of impact DevStat. I think it's also really important to like, that's one metric, but then you need to look at so many others to really understand the holistic picture that I try at least with my leadership team to not over-index on it. It's definitely for sure. Like it's obviously the headline that we share with our leadership team, but the way that I like to present is like, this is a headline, but let's double click, like, let's click into what is maybe contributing to that. And it's, you know, I think the greatest thing about this is like, being able to read all the comments and like the feedback and like, seeing like the things that really bother engineers and like, you're like, oh, that's like a thing that we can fix. And it's so particular often. And so I think, I think that's a really important part of developer satisfaction and, and productivity is that like, I might have read this somewhere too. So I might be quoting somebody, but I don't think one stat or one metric can give you all of that. And so I would encourage people as helpful as it might be to like do some benchmarking and things like that. Just remember, it doesn't tell you the whole story and like, you know, like don't feel bad if you're a little bit lower than others. And so I think that's important to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, that don't reduce productivity down to one metric. That's from the space framework. Good memory.
1: I was like, I read this somewhere. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and I only know I'm working with Nicole and Margaret on a new paper. So that's top of mind. But I'm going to go back to the survey design process. So as you were doing all this research and talking to your talent team, I'm guessing you ended up with a spreadsheet with like 100 questions. So many questions. So many questions. What was your process for beginning to refine these? test them, perhaps, like, how did you get down from that initial list of probably 100, if not hundreds to your final set?
1: Yeah, we still have a lot of questions. And as I was mentioning to you earlier, we're in the process of like, kind of evolving the survey. And so I'm curious to know, because now we have partners coming to us wanting to add questions. And so now I'm like, okay, like, got to go back to thinking about the right kind of size. And so I think one thing that was really helpful on our talent team, you know, we've got folks with really strong backgrounds in like psychology and organizational design. And so it was really, really helpful to partner with them to actually like think about how we even ask those questions and really thinking, I think that's another really hard part about survey design people. And I get this all the time when I talk about the state of developer experience, survey that people are like, well, like how did you structure your questions? And I'm like, that's really hard to, tell you because like they're all like you'd have to read all of it to really understand. I wouldn't be the right person to tell you that. It would definitely be the people on our talent team that would be able to do that. And we also had a couple of data scientists on our dev insights team partner with us too and like think about survey design and think about the way that we were asking questions and, and really refine that. So that was one thing I think with the questions. And so they were really helpful in really helping me anyway understand like okay, what is this question? What result? And is it actionable? Like, how are you going to be able to drive action from these? And so that was really helpful, right? Because I think sometimes when you're creating these, it's easy to be like, well, I'm just curious and I want to know. And it's like, okay, that's like actually not that helpful. And so how do you make it actionable? I think that was one thing that we definitely really thought about is like, how do we make this actionable? And so that was really helpful. And then also really partnering with our platform engineering team and our product, our product managers on the platform engineering at the time was really helpful too because they're going out and speaking to customers like our developers all the time. And so they're also hearing pain points and different things like that. And so places where we knew we had enough information, we were like, okay, we don't need to constantly keep digging into that. Like we don't need to put salt in that wound. Like we know it's a pain point. And so we can maybe reduce some, something there. And so that's how we thought about it. I mean, and I think I've mentioned this to you before too, is like our survey is still quite long. And that's part of the reason that we think about splitting it up so that if you're a developer, you only get it once a year because we do want people to feel like, okay, I only have to fill this out once, this long survey that Fancho sends me and that I don't have to constantly fill this out. Survey fatigue is so real. And it's why we partner with our talent team so that we're not like sending out this long state of, you know, DevX survey when they're about to send out our kind of like Peloton engagement survey. And so- survey data is very useful and helpful, but you obviously don't want to abuse like how often you're asking people for this information and kind of things like that. And so that was definitely something that we were thinking about when we were designing.
0: Yeah, so so much there that you shared that's interesting. Just to recap, how long was the final survey? Like how many questions approximately and how long to fill out?
1: I want to say it's like 50 something questions now. But I don't know if that would is completely accurate because it also depends on how you answer some of the questions. You might get separate drill downs. So give and take, I would say anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes also depends on how many comments. I'm not a commenter in surveys. Like I do not. I'm the worst survey taker, I guess, because I never drop comments in. I always just like answer everything and then and send it off. So it also depends on how many comments you write. And so it's really interesting too, when we're looking at the survey results, sometimes we get paragraphs and paragraphs of comments and then other people are just like one-liners or they're like me and they don't write any comments at all. So assuming people like me are going through it a little bit quicker, and then people that are actually like spending a lot of time with it are probably spending, I would say, at least 25 minutes on it, um, which is which is a chunk of time for sure.
0: Absolutely. So I want to ask you, what exactly was the trimming process? Was it just you deciding, you know, reordering things in the spreadsheet and deciding what would make that top 50 cut? Or did you do it by committee? Or were you kind of going to stakeholders and iteratively trimming it down?
1: Yeah, it was definitely the latter. So like going to stakeholders and iteratively um, trimming it down. And it's this fun little dance that you do, right? Like, because sometimes you go to stakeholders, and they're like, actually, we want to add this question. And you're like, Okay, well, if we're gonna add that, then, What are we gonna remove? And so that was a very iterative process. And kind of this big stakeholder groups, like I started with the talent team because I thought the talent team would be able to like really help kind of shape some of those questions and reduce some of those things down. The other helpful thing with the talent team too is like they've got another survey that they sent out. So like we didn't want any like repetitiveness in our survey. And so there were a bunch of questions that our talent team is like, oh, we actually, we can ask this or like, we'll put this in ours. And I'm like, great. Like, we're still going to get that information, but in a different format at a different time, which is amazing. And like, so I think some of those more general things like learning and development, like growth, like all of that kind of stuff that do contribute to happiness and retention and all those and effectiveness, all those things, we don't necessarily feel like we have to ask in our survey. So that was really helpful. And then we met with our platform PM. So really working with our product managers on the platform engineering team to then say, okay, like, what do we already have enough information on, right? Like, what can we remove? What do we want to add? And actually, even in now in the evolving of the survey, like, we've either, like, removed a bunch of tools or added some new tools. So, like, working with the platform team has been super helpful even now in evolving it so that we can cut down on some of that stuff. And then it was also working with our data scientists to say, okay, like, where can we pull maybe something that is more quantitative and so maybe we don't need it in the survey and things like that too and then of course like leadership reviews so Jason you know reviewed it and added his thoughts and thought where we like added some of his input and so I think that was really helpful and then when we got the survey back we actually took some questions out because we were like "Mm, this actually didn't give us anything or like you know and I think that process was very very long and very very iterative for us to be able to get to a place where we're like, okay, this feels good. And even now we're going into a year of it. We're now thinking, okay, how does this evolve? Like, what do we need to keep in there? What do we need to take out? What are new things that we need to ask? So it's a bit of an evolving process.
0: Speaking as someone who's written a lot of bad survey questions, I want to ask you personally, I mean, were you nervous about some of the questions just flopping? You were the base of the survey. Oh, yeah. And I'm curious. Yeah, how did that feel? And also, for you personally, what are the most interesting things you learned about survey item design through this process?
1: Yeah, I think also, it's like when you're sending this out. So I'm not an engineer, but I work with engineers every single day. You know, like, I was just like waiting for that, like, really blunt, logical, like, Nancy, this is a bad question, like, (laughs) coming back as a result. And we got a couple of those. So I think that you have to kind of be prepared for that, I think, because I think, like, everyone will have their opinion. So I think that's something to kind of keep in mind. It's definitely a nerve wracking kind of process. And I think, in addition to that, too, like, you're asking people for all this time. I think there's also was just like a little bit of nervousness on my end of like, I think this is going to be really impactful. I think this is really going to provide a lot of value. And like, there's a lot of people kind of bought into that at the organization. So, you know, like I'm kind of hedging my bets here. I think that this is going to really help, but it is really nerve wracking because you're asking your leadership team and your engineering managers to kind of get behind having their teams pull away from work to like fill this information out with the promise of like, if we go slow now, we'll be able to go fast. Right. Give me this 15 to 20 minutes now. It'll help us go faster. It'll help us focus on the right things. And so I think that is really, really, really nerve wracking. I think some of the things that I learned just like about survey design in general is like that I'm definitely not an expert and that I need to like rope in the experts. And thankfully we had those inside of our business. But I don't think, and I wish I, you know, I could probably like go back and look in Google changes, look at the original version of the survey I made. Like some of those questions were so terribly worded. And like just learning about scales and like, okay, you know, do we want to do open ended versus not? And how do you gather comments? And I think that was really like a huge learning for me. And so for us, like we decided to go, one of the things I learned was like, okay, like let's go with a scale in the way that we shape all of our questions that they could be answered on some type of scale because that'll help us easily view trends when we're looking at results. And when I first designed the survey, I had a ton of open ended questions and, you know, got feedback from my talent team of like, This is going to make it your life really hard when you're then analyzing a ton of data. Your data scientists are going to hate you. So I think that was really eye-opening in the terms of like the way that we even just wanted to structure those questions. So that was definitely one of my key learnings. But honestly, like at the end of it, I was like, thank God for all of the partners that we had inside the business that are experts on this and that we were able to build this with. Yeah, because I definitely don't think I could have done it on my own
0: yeah I'm sure we'll swap notes later, but yeah, same experience as you getting into and it's so funny, of course, I work you know on a survey product, and I remember when we were getting started on the initial design of it, so many engineering leaders would be like, What like this is just a survey tool behind the scenes, we were working you know nights and weekends just. Painfully crafting and refining these questions, and I think until you actually get into that work, you don't realize how how difficult it is.
1: Yeah, and I think like when I go to conferences and when I talk to other engineering leaders about this, like the question I get all the time is like, "Oh, what are the questions that you ask?" And I think even though you might initially get a reaction of like, "Oh, it's just a survey tool," yeah, but with the questions in it, I think that's the thing that's the hardest part about designing the survey. Because yeah, I think that especially when it comes to developer experience and like understanding that experience. um, Shaping that is, is definitely the hardest part.
0: So looking at this big picture, I mean, how long did this process take in terms of human hours collectively that went into it? And also just in terms of the time span? Was this weeks? Was this months of design? What's the summary of the process?
1: It was definitely months. It was definitely months of design. And a lot of human hours, I would say on my part and like human hours, thankfully, like by the graciousness of like all of the partners that I worked with at Peloton too, of insights team and our data scientists. So a ton, I think of human hours that went into designing it. And I think, like I was mentioning earlier, it's not done because like, I mean, we talked about the design process, we didn't even get into like the launching process of like having to build out an entire communication plan to then like explain what this is to, you know, we had talked about it to all of our VPs and all of our VPs and our SVP was bought in, but it was like, okay, we have to now explain this to directors and managers because they're the ones actually like managing the time of our engineers. And like, we have to tell them why we think this is important. And so it was often me going to a lot of engineering manager meetings and you know director level meetings to like explain what this was and why we were doing it and then building the entire comms plan around it and launching it and then managing the launch of it and like sending out reminders like making sure that watching that like participation bar painfully slowly crawl every day and like you know bugging jason to send out reminders it was just like a lot of kind of even that part after the design there's also a bunch of stuff that you have to do and then you get the data back and like then you have to analyze all of it and decide what you're gonna do with it and like thankfully we had a data scientist that i was working with and so we were able to pull some really really great metrics and then we ended up writing a report And so we call it the state of developer experience at peloton because we actually like produce this pretty long report that then goes out to our leadership and platform team and then it's like sharing all that data with all of our leaders and coming up with action plans and communicating that back to engineering because you want to build that trust right of like hey, every time I send up this survey, we're actually going to do something about it. It's a ton of human hours.
0: I want to ask you about the communication plan you talked about. I mean, what's your advice to, I think a lot of leaders don't, again, similar to survey design, they don't think about the fact that there's going to need to be a communication plan until they get to like the 10 mile line right before they're launching the survey. What, what's your advice? What worked for you or what didn't work?
1: I've been thinking about communication plans a lot lately because we're, rolling out a bunch of different kind of processes. And again, I read this somewhere and I don't know who I'm quoting, but I think it's like, you know, you need to communicate the same thing seven different times in seven different ways. Like, And I think that was definitely the case for this survey because we've got our like Peloton-wide engagement survey. Everyone knows what that is, but now we're saying, oh, we're going to launch something that's specifically about your experience as a developer. And people are like, what? What are you talking about? Like, what does that mean? like we had to think about how we communicated that and I think the approach that we took was like obviously we made sure we had leadership buy-in and I think that was really really important and again was so lucky to kind of have some of that buy-in built in already so that was really really important but then we also had to explain to our like our engineering directors our engineering managers and all of our engineers why this was really important, too, and what's in it for them, right? You're asking me to fill out a survey. What am I going to get out of this? Um, And so we really tried to tie it back to our platform engineering team's mission and and really tried to tie it back to there's a million things we could work on, but we want to work on the things that are the most important to you um, and that will drive the most amount of impact for you. And we want to build the right processes and the right tools and systems that will drive efficiency, effectiveness engagement for all of you. And so that's why we want to build this. And you know, as you can tell from the theme of theme of this conversation, I spent a lot of time talking to our engineers. And I think by the time the state of developer experience started, we started having those conversations, you know, the concept of like time to first PR and 10th PR. And like, we'd started doing a bunch of, we'd started looking at a bunch of metrics with incident management so like mean time to mitigation and resolution. Like these were kind of metrics around like engineering performance became, you know, part of the vernacular and people started to understand, okay, like we're becoming a bit of a bigger company. We're starting to look at these types of metrics. And in my conversations with engineers, like where that always went was like, okay, but these metrics don't tell the whole story. And like, how do we get that holistic picture? It's actually by hearing from you. And that's how we help shape some of these things, right? Like I always go back to that onboarding example. Like I never would have been able to build the onboarding program that we built, if I had just looked at time to first intent, like that would have given me maybe one course that we built, but like everything else was actually from these qualitative insights that we were able to gather. And so we really tried to bake that into our communication plan too, of like, we want to get a holistic understanding and a holistic picture. Like we don't want to be a company that just becomes like, obsessed with a metric and like driving down that metric. And like, as soon as you give people a metric, they're just gonna try and game it anyway. So it's we don't want to become that, right? Like we really want to think deeply about how we drive developer experience and like understand that it's a gray area and that at the end of the day, we're working with people. And like, I think having those inputs was really, really helpful. And like building that into our communication plan helped us get that buy-in. And then it was also thinking about what are we going to communicate once we've got all these results back? And so we actually publish our report out to all of our developers like so our leadership team kind of gets it at the same time that everyone else gets it and then we meet with our leadership team to like go through it and dig in and you know go through any kind of questions and things that they have now you can like go onto our confluence and like go to the state of developer experience landing page and like see all of the results and like see the actions that we committed to. And we always report on like, okay, this is what we committed to. This is what we hit this quarter. This is what we're, And I think that helps build that trust too. And so we really, actually I spent a lot of time talking about trust with our talent partners of like, how do we build trust into this process? Again, that was also another learning of just with survey design. Like how do you build trust? And obviously into the design of the survey, but then also into the way that you communicate it out and what you do with those results. Like all of that is so important.
0: A question I have, you said, in the city developer experience report, you talk about what we have done with the results. Who's the we? (laughs) Is that all engineering leadership? Or is that just the platform team? I think that's something I've seen organizations struggle with is like, who is this data for and who should be taking action based on it?
1: Yeah. And so our thinking on this is evolving. When we first started, and also when we first started this, I was actually a part of the platform team. I've now moved and reported to software programs. And so initially this was very much like a platform engineering project. And so all of the actions were actually created in partnership with our platform PMs. So like the results would come out, we would present them to our PMs and we would go through that data and say, and they would be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, We've been hearing this and seeing this. We've got this on the roadmap already. This is new. Like, let's think about how we can tackle that. Maybe this quarter we can come up with a plan or whatever. And so it was definitely our platform team. And kind of in the evolution, we're now thinking, how do we empower our engineering leaders with some of this information? And how do we make sure we present that information back to them? And how can they drive actions within their, you know, their own teams or their own departments? That's something that we're starting to think about. Because now that we've got this kind of vernacular part of the organization, people know what to expect. It's like, okay, now I think we can kind of push some of that action down. And I think, you know, along with platform engineering, our leadership team, they're obviously huge stakeholders in this. So there's definitely actions that they were thinking about driving or wanted to help the platform team prioritize. And now we're definitely thinking about, okay, how do we evolve this so that, it doesn't just have to sit at like the VP and platform engineering level to drive actions on this. Like how can we empower our engineering managers or our directors of engineering to like drive some action on this? And I think there's obviously going to be things that are very like, okay, this is a platform thing that or it's an infrastructure thing or something, but there's a lot of things around documentation the way that teams collaborate, like all of that stuff that is not necessarily related to tooling that managers have a direct impact on or you know, directors have a direct impact on, and so I think that I think in in the evolution of this survey is going to become much more of the focus as we go into year two. Is really thinking about how do we empower our managers and our directors to do that.
0: I love that. Well, um, we'll probably have to do a follow up episode to hear about how that goes. I want to ask you. Earlier, you talked about like stressfully watching the participation rate meter take <laughs> off. So, so I want to ask, what participation rate did you get? And I mean, I've heard of some companies giving out bribes to people for filling these things out. What are your keys or lessons for how to drive participation?
1: Yeah. So our participation rates, it's, I think, close to 60%, which is okay. Like, I think, you know, when I first designed this, I was like, we're going to get like 80% participation. It's going to be amazing. And like, we did not. And again, it's because we're sending out a long survey. And so we haven't necessarily taken the approach. Like there are some things I know we could do that would be a little bit more heavy-handed that we haven't necessarily done. We could definitely turn it into a competition. We're Peloton, we love competition. And we definitely do do that for our engagement survey. And I definitely try and like ensure that my team has it filled out like immediately so that we're always leading kind of the race. So there are those kinds of strategies that I've seen even used just at Peloton. But I think because our talent team has leveraged those. I just want to be mindful of like how many times we're doing that. I think like going into the second year, we definitely want to rethink that and think about okay, how can we drive that number up further? I think for us because it was kind of the first year that we were doing it, the data that we were getting back was so rich and so helpful that it wasn't one of those things where I was like this is really killing us. And interestingly enough, a lot of results I don't think super shocking, right? Like we looked at the state of DevX experience, especially for our platform team who spends all of their time talking to developers. They were like, a lot of this makes sense. Now we just have the numbers, which is really great. And it allows them to kind of dig a little bit deeper. So for us, that rate, I think it's not exactly where I want it to be. For the first year, I think as we think about evolving, we're definitely thinking about, okay, how do we increase that number? How do we think about sample size? So we were you know, sending this out, we were originally planning on sending this out three times a year, every single year. We're now shifting to twice a year just so we can like increase the number of people that we're sending it out to and see how that impacts numbers and responses. The interesting thing is, is like we're seeing an upward trend, right? The first time we sent it, I think our participation score was, I don't know, something like 52% or something. And it's like gradually gone up and it's gotten closer to 60. So I think, again, building that trust of, you know, filling this out, it's going to make a difference, all this kind of stuff. I think that's another strategy that we thought about. And that was kind of the approach I leaned on in the first year of like, okay, let me try and build some trust as my strategy versus turning it into a competition or giving out free t-shirts and stickers. I don't know. I might have to give out stickers. We'll see. We'll see how year two kind of goes.
0: Yeah, it's first of all, interesting that you mentioned, you're seeing the participation rate go up after subsequent surveys, because that's so counter to what most people assume they seem, oh, like after the first one is just going to fall. But I've seen the same trend with other companies as well. And I think it's because the survey program improves and becomes better communicated becomes more a part of the organization, like you were talking about earlier. I also wonder, as you explore, you mentioned one of the goals is to make the survey more for the frontline managers, directors, etc. So I wonder if, as you make the survey more for the rest of the organization rather than for just the platform team, you might see even more uptick. And Leslie, I wanted to follow up on the frequency piece. You mentioned you're going from three times a year to twice a year. One thing we didn't touch on earlier in this conversation was sampling. So if I recall, you use sampling in your previous surveys. Can you explain why you did that and why you're now maybe moving away from that?
1: So we're still doing sampling, but I think a little bit differently. So in the first year that we ran it, we essentially like took our entire developer population and divided it into like a third, right? So we would sample a third of the population and it was super random. We wanted it to be like, we were truly just taking a random sample. We wanted it to be a variety of tenure. We wanted it to be a variety of roles, a variety of, all of that. And so we did that. So we sliced basically the entire developer population into three. So if you were part of cohort A, you would get, let's say the survey in Q1. And then if you were part of cohort B, then you would get it in Q3 and then C, you would get it in Q4. And so we decided to essentially do something like that. The thing that we found with that sampling and dividing it into three is like, just based on the number of developers that we have, The number actually turned out to be quite small when you factor in that lower participation rate, right? You come back and you're like, okay, like this is significant. We had our data scientists review it and they're like, yeah, this is significant. You can call this significant. It's fine. You can make some conclusions from this, but you're still like, it could be better, right? And you're like, okay, this number could be better. And so this year, we're thinking, okay, let's split it into two. And so instead of taking the entire population and splitting it into three, we're taking the developer population and slicing it in half and sending it out. We haven't landed on the times yet, but let's say you're a part of cohort A, you get it in Q1 again, maybe if you're a part of cohort B, then you'll get it in Q3. And we're doing this for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, like I mentioned, to increase that sampling size. Then the other thing too is, is that we want to align with our talent partners who are also sending out an engagement survey and they're moving to twice a year. And so we wanted to feel like less, like you're constantly getting, getting surveys going out. I think it's also really important to think about like digestibility for your leadership team and for your leaders and like for folks that are then going to action this survey. If you're when we first did the very first state of DevX survey, there, it was just like so much. There was so many things that we could have actioned on, and like prioritizing that with our platform and team and our product team was it was like this whole thing, right? Again, when you talk about human intensive and the amount of hours that took, that was quite a bit of a process. And so we also one of the things is like we want to give time for our teams to like implement those solutions. And that's kind of, I guess, one of the cons of, like, big, massive surveys like this. Is like you just get so much information. And so the interesting thing with this year, and I'm curious to kind of see how it goes, is that we're going into year two, is seeing, like, okay, we know there's a bunch of big bucket things that we ticked off. Speaking of, like, thorns again, like, we know that the thing that was, like, driving most of our developers creating a lot of pain for our developers. Like we've implemented this new thing. We think it's better. And, you know, what we're hearing is better. And so, okay, great. Like we know that we've kind of tackled that top, whatever, 5%. This year, we're hoping it'll be a little bit different. And already in the conversations that I'm having with leadership and and some of our like directors, like I'm starting to see that shift change already in like the types of pain points that we're talking about for our developers and the types of opportunities that we have for our developers. So I'm kind of curious to see if we still feel like oh my gosh there's so much in here if we can get that survey down because you know like I mentioned earlier we're now at the point where because people know about the survey and have kind of like seen the results they can put out we're getting like partners from lots of different areas of the business come to us and say hey can I add this can I add this and you know and and so I think there's a little bit of work there of figuring out like okay like what's that balance of like the right amount of information so that you know the team and the leadership team doesn't get indigestion that we're not
0: yeah, it makes sense. I want to rewind a little bit and go back to what we were talking about earlier around the state of developer experience report. I want to specifically ask you, how did you present this information to executives? That's something I think a lot of DevEx leaders out there are probably really nervous about. you know, doing right. You only get one shot at that. You've invested all this time into this program. How do you succeed at communicating the data, the results, the takeaways to executive leadership?
1: Yeah. So we've got this very, very, very long report that we send out to the entire organization, right? And so, and it's really fun, actually, when we send the report out and then like in the tech learning channel, people pop in and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so surprised that this tool got a low satisfaction score because I actually love it. And you're like, okay. And then like starts this really fun discussion. And so that is like, goes out to the entire organization. And our execs also Get that because they're a part of our like software mailing list. But immediately after we send that out to our entire software organization, I actually follow it up with like a bit of a one pager or a one slider, like one slide of like here are the top level things that like I think are the most important for us to discuss and action on. And so, you know, I kind of send that out and again, very, very lucky to work with like a very engaged group of leaders. And I actually send that out and it was actually at our SVP of software who was like, read this, this is great. Let's schedule a software review on this. And like, let's have you take the rest of the leadership team through this. And so we can really dig in and ask some questions. So I think if you can get that invitation, that's always really, really great. And so I think thinking about how you share that information and get that and kind of get that invitation is really important. Because I think if you're starting with an invitation, it's always a little bit better. And so it was actually his idea. And so we put together a deck that ran through the survey. Again, so much information. The way that we spread it out was like, we have a headline, which is again, this is our satisfaction score. And then these are the three things that are driving that score up or down. These are the three factors. And these are the three things that we're going to dig into. And then we also do some like some like ground setting of like, there are some things in this survey that have come out that are things that like we control as a platform team or as a developer experience team that we already know we're going to take action on and we're going to take action on or that we're planning to take action on based on this survey. Then there's stuff that actually like the engineering organization can drive impact on. So whether it's engineering leadership, it's managers, directors, and that's not stuff that we necessarily control, but we want to highlight and bubble to the top so we can inspire action, right? And so then it becomes about influence and inspiring action at that level. And then finally, there's also like things that are Peloton wide that, again, we're bubbling up and sharing because the results of the survey also go to our talent team and our talent partners, and they also take a look at it. And so, again, not necessarily things that are within our sphere of control, but we want to bubble up to the top so that we can continue to kind of influence and drive action on those things. And so, we do some ground setting there, and then we go through each of those factors and we do a bit of a deep dive. And so, I'll use the example of let's say it's tooling we'll actually go through all of the tools and we'll do a bit of a mapping of like, these are the ones that are driving the highest levels of satisfaction. These are the ones that are driving the lowest levels of satisfaction. I think like many technology companies, our size that grew very, very quickly. Like we did, we were kind of like tool agnostic for a while. Like engineering teams were kind of empowered to like use whatever made sense for them. As long as you went through like the right security kind of process, you get to a certain size and then that becomes like less desirable. And so kind of bubbling those things up to leadership of like, okay, like these are all the different tools that our engineers are using. These are the ones that are actually driving satisfaction. These are the ones that aren't like, how do we have those conversations? And then, so we actually like just dive through each of those factors in that exact same way and have a discussion with leadership around like, okay, this is what we're doing. And I found in our, When we did it with our software review, it was actually a very productive conversation in that we were able to get a lot of feedback from leadership. We actually think this is the thing that we need to focus on. Like let's focus on that. These are the things that we can do. And so I found that really, really helpful. I think finding ways to kind of engage your executive leadership team is super helpful. And but at the same time, like not gatekeeping that information. I think it was important that we didn't gatekeep it and that we shared it kind of immediately as soon as we could with the rest of the software organization and and engaged our leadership team afterwards.
0: The advice around focusing on getting that invite from executive leadership, I love that piece of advice because it yeah, makes you think about the steps you need to do prior to presenting to leadership to get that invite rather than doing the survey and being like, oh, how did I get this in front of people? No, you have to show the value and then get that invitation to dive deeper. I've loved this conversation because we've woven in so many of your reflections as you're thinking about your next DevX survey. One thing you had mentioned to me before the show was that you had gone into that previous surveys and even the time period following those surveys with some nervousness around the value of these surveys. So, what's your perspective on that now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think actually my entire time at Peloton has been this theme of you know standing up a new function and like I think a lot of the things I do are a lot of like okay, I hope this is going to be useful and like I think this is going to be useful and I hope it is and you know, a couple of weeks ago, as I have started to think about, okay, what are we thinking about in year two? I've actually like put the survey back in front of a bunch of leaders at at Peloton. And it was really interesting. Actually, I was having a conversation with one of our directors of engineering and he was like, oh, like all of these areas, like we've actually improved on, which is really great. Like I know that that's been addressed and I know that that's been addressed. And so that was really rewarding to know that, you know, all of these conversations that we had a year and a half ago and kind of started as like an idea on a slide that Jim had had, like turned into this, I think was really, really rewarding to know that, okay, we were able to drive a lot of change. So I think I'm feeling much more confident going into year two, that there's a lot of value that we can continue to get. And I think in a natural way, like my mind has immediately gone to, okay, like, where are the areas that we want to focus on now that we know that these other areas we're feeling much better about right like again going back to thinking about that survey design and like making that survey as useful as possible like how do we either condense the survey how do we focus in on different things and so we're actually like there's a couple themes and a couple factors that last year we knew were pain points but were maybe like a p2 compared to something else that was really like this is on fire like we need to fix this immediately that now, so maybe we had one or two questions on the kind of those P2 areas that we're now actually like really flushing out and adding a lot more questions to because we know that that's something that we want to focus on. And I, so it also helps kind of when you're thinking about road mapping and planning for your team, it helps you think two, three years out because you're like, okay, I know this is, this is a pain point, it's coming up. And like, there's not much we can do about it now just because of time-space continuum and we need to like focus on these other things. But you can start having conversations about those as those other things kind of wrap up and naturally leads you into like, okay, great. Like now we've got this survey. Let's input a bunch of other questions or things or questions that we have and decisions that we need to make so that we can get that input from the people that we're building for, which I think is so important. And so I think that's really been the most like rewarding part of it and has made me very much a believer. And I was obviously a believer because I built this, but also it's really cemented that. And I so I think that's really helpful too, just from like a road mapping and like thinking about the future of your organization and those things, I think it's important and helpful. And also I think we spend so much time, I do anyway, I spend a lot of time in those painful moments with our developers, understanding what those painful moments are. And with our leadership team, spending a lot of time understanding what those painful moments are, it's really nice to get a moment where you're like, there is a happy moment there. And I definitely find that personally very motivating.
0: Well, I'm so impressed with the way you've approached this from the beginning and so grateful for you sitting down with me to explain it all in such detail. I think listeners, I get asked all the time about, hey, what are your tips for what question should I use? The, the same question you hear all the time. So I'm excited to be able to point people to this conversation to hear about how you approach this. And I think it'll be so valuable. Thanks so much for coming on the show and speaking with me. This is really enjoyable.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was great.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. As always, you can find detailed show notes and other content at our website, getdx.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please also consider rating our show since this helps more listeners discover our podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode.